It is very fitting that Rondell's here today because we're starting this new series about the lies we believe. And for my senior year of college, whenever I started working with Rondell, living in his house for a year, he really asked me a ton of questions. He's a master at asking questions. Now I say he's a doctor at asking questions. He's, he's really good. But do you know who else is really good at asking questions? Jesus. He really is. Rondo helped me discover a lot of truth and avoid a lot of lies by just asking the right questions. Today we're going to do that. But one thing Rondo did in the midst of questions, whenever I didn't get it, he still does, reminds me to focus on Jesus, even when ministry is hard. We did that right over here this morning before first service. I said, man, this just happened since last Sunday. It's hard. And he, he gave me some encouragement. I'm glad he's here today. It's perfect time. Uh, by the way, if you're in the, the marriage class that kicked off this week uh, uh, in, in the Sunday school hour, uh, Rondo was my mentor, and he is, and he also married Tiffany and I, so I owe him a lot, okay? It's uh, really cool to have you here today with us. Um, this month, though, we're, we're in the series, The Lies We Believe. A lot of times, the lies we believe, we need to ask questions about why we believe them. Sometimes, they, they come from the culture around us. If you're over the age of like eight, you hear these messages in culture, in media, on the internet, uh, TikTok. There's these messages that bombard us. This is, this is what's really happening in the world. This is real. And a lot of the message we get is, is not true. So we got to slow down and examine it. Sometimes, though, the lies we believe come from our own desires. The lies we believe are, are things we want to be true, things that would be better for us to be true, so we, we, we believe them even though they're not true. And sometimes the lies we believe, they, they come out of half-truths that we have heard maybe someone say or maybe that God said, and then we, over the course of time, say, well, God said that. For example, like this one, last week we were talking about unity and how to pursue unity, and I said, well, you know, God said that if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. You've heard that, right? That wasn't God. That was your grandma that said that. It's not in his word. Now, does that go along with scripture? Yes. There's scripture that says, only say what builds others up. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. So, so it is congruent with the message of the word, but sometimes we take a message uh, from God's word and we twist it and we say, well, this is what God said, and sometimes he didn't really say that. For example, this one. You've heard this one before. God will never give you more than you can handle. How many of you ever heard that? God will never give you more than you can handle. It is a lie. He gives me more than I can handle every day. And he probably does for you. What I mean by that, while the word is true that God will not give you more than you can handle with him on a regular basis. He gives me more than I can handle on my own as Tyson Graber. If you're married, that only multiplies. If you get married and when you get married, there, there's going to be things in your life that are even more intense that you can't handle on a more frequent basis. If you have kids or grandkids, it only multiplies the things that you can't do on your own. You can't handle. But with God, we can, we can handle that. We can, we can get through it. Not that we're getting through it, but, but God works. There are so many things that we sometimes believe and we think they're true, but maybe they're lies that we need to uncover. We need to ask questions. Here's four that we're going to cover over this next month. That's very important to understand. But before we do that, we need to understand why we're going to uncover this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul, Paul tells the church, he's telling us, he says, test all things. You could translate this another way. I think this is fair. Question everything. 
Don't just take it for granted. Don't just say because grandma said it, it's got to be true. Just because I say something, please hear this, that doesn't mean you don't test it. Even when a doctor says something, whether it's medical or spiritual or academic, we need to test all things and hold fast to what is good. Compare it to the Word. Compare it to what the Holy Spirit is revealing in your heart. Compare it to what trusted brothers and sisters in Christ say. And then once it's seen as good uh, and, and combined with the Holy Spirit and God's Word, hold on to it. Today, Rondo, after service, is going to be in our new commons area. That's a new word for us, the new remodeled area. And man, I'm really thankful how good it's looking. It's almost done. Uh, there was coffee before service or maybe some after service, but Ronald's going to be there. If you have a question that you'd be afraid to ask me, go ahead and throw it his way. He loves questions. Let's, let's dive into God's word and see what's good and hold on to it. Here, here's some of the questions we're going to ask this month. Some of them are easier than others. Next week, we're going to ask this question, evaluate it. What I feel is real. In two weeks, we're going to look at, I don't need the church. That, that is a lie that, that came across, I think, the last couple of years and intensified. We lived on our own for 18 months, two years. Why do I need the church now? We need each other, guys. The, third, uh, the fourth week, we're going to answer this question, which will be PG-13. Sex is all good. Our culture is pushing on us on a regular basis that sex of any type, as long as it feels good, as long as uh, who you're doing it with is happy, uh, uh, as long as you're identifying what you think is right, it's all good. That's not what God's Word says. Please understand, we're going to get there. Sex is a beautiful, amazing thing for the context of marriage, but it's not all good outside of marriage. In fact, God says that the sex, the marriage bed, should be kept pure and holy. There's boundaries for blessing. But today we're going to look at this, this statement, Jesus, Jesus just wants me to be happy. How many of you have ever had someone say, or you felt that way, that, that if Jesus loves me, man, he just wants me to be happy. It's a common concept in today's world. Some of us, some of us would quickly disagree with that, and others would be like, oh, that sounds right. And I want to say this, don't misunderstand me today, there's going to be Talk on both sides of this a little bit, but we're going to go see what God's Word says. I see time and time again in Scripture that God desires for His children to be blessed and live in happiness and joy. We can clearly see in His Word there's an affirmation that when His people are, are living under His guidelines and living a holy life, He says, man, I want you to be blessed. Uh, your, you, my children should have joy and be happy. Listen to this text from Psalm 68. May the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. That's God's word. God, God desires for us to be joyful and happy. Those are two different concepts, by the way, a little bit. Happiness is something that, that can come and go a little bit like a roller coaster, but joy is steadfast and true through the peace of the Holy Spirit and what God does for us through Jesus. Look at Psalms 144. The people who, whose God is the Lord are truly happy. The Hebrew word here for happy could probably be easily translated to be content or joyful or, or at peace. But this is a, a true sense of happiness, not something the world's going to take away back and forth. But God says, uh, those who call me Lord, who put me first, and there's, there's a place for that happiness. It's like God uh, is just, we know good fathers and mothers and grandparents, we want our kids to be happy. But here's where the truth gets twisted and the lie starts. 
When we make it, hear this, this is where the problem is. When we make it our clear focus and our life's goal to have our version of personal happiness, we get off track. When we mix God's truth and a national declaration for the pursuit of happiness and our desire to personally have what we want, we make a mess of this idea of being happy, and it's wrong. When we take it to the extreme, our mind and our hearts start to say this, well, I deserve to be happy. Does the Bible say that? Did God ever say in the midst of him wanting us to be happy, did he say, you ever, you deserve it? Boy, but that's our culture. We, we tell each other we want to be happy. We deserve to be happy. You've heard it before. You probably felt it before. You may have even said it. And I know I have. As a pastor, I've heard different testimonies like this. For example, this one from Bill. The name is different, but the story may sound similar, familiar. Bill confessed that he'd been married 25 years. But if you ask his wife, he said, we would both agree we haven't really been happy for a long time. We just got busy at work and raising the kids. Uh, Bill says, when the kids grown, we didn't even really know each other anymore, and we definitely weren't happy. Then a few weeks ago, I, I met my old girlfriend, like 30 years in the past. We were engaged one summer. It didn't work out. But, but when I saw her, I asked her if we could have lunch, and we, we, we shared lunch together. And, and Bill said, for the first time in years, it felt like old times. I hadn't felt this way in a long time. You know, happy. A lot of people would say I'm wrong. But I think I'm going to ask her out again. Don't I deserve to be happy? Doesn't Jesus just want me to be happy? Now, that may be an extreme example, but we justify our happiness for what we want. Or maybe, maybe you can relate to this more. April, a high school senior. Been a good girl her entire life. Strong Christian. Always tried to do the right thing. But this past year, the senior year, her, her friends all really got into the party scene. And she, she said, well, it's really no big deal. They just do a lot of drinking and smoke a little bit of pot. They're having a lot of fun. But on the weekends when they're out and I'm alone, I feel lonely. I feel depressed. I feel like life is passing me by. And she said, one of her friends said, well, you should just have fun with us. April tried to tell her friend, but she's trying to honor God. And her friend said, if God really loved you, doesn't he want you to be happy? And she says, don't I deserve to be happy? You can change the names, you can change the details of the story, but what, when we uh, put our happiness at the highest priority, we'll justify anything. If God loves us, don't we deserve to be happy? And then we do it. What? Whatever makes you happy. Guys, this is a lie. And each of us here today have given into this at some point or another. The, the stories are similar. Your story and my story. We justify the things we do because it makes us happy. And God loves us and wants us to be happy. I wonder what makes you happy. What have you justified that does not honor God? And you may be thinking, but Tyson, don't I deserve to be happy? Honestly, no. And if you're not a believer, this is really going to tick you off. Choose my words carefully. <laughs> but in all honesty, you don't deserve to be happy. A preacher from Louisville, Kentucky said this, you don't deserve to be happy, you deserve to go to hell. That's what you deserve. I quoted him because it's a very clever thought, and also, I wanted you to be mad at someone else if you're really mad, okay? Okay. 
But it's true. God's word says this. You're like, what's he talking about? This is rude. Why do you mean I deserve to go to hell? Because that's what the Bible says. In Romans 3.23 says, all of us have sinned, including me and Kyle Eidelman. And the wage, what we deserve for that sin is death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for being human, for rebelling against God, for pursuing what we want is death. But what God gives us is beautiful. In that same uh, chapter, that same verse, uh, the, the, the concept is clear. While we deserve death, God gives us eternal life through Jesus. So we need to understand really what we deserve and what we're given. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 2, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Paul is saying we've got to ask questions of everything so that Satan doesn't outsmart us, outtrick us. And we've got to be aware of his evil scheme. One of his evil schemes is God wants you to be happy more than anything else. And that's not true. God wants you to be happy, but, but it's not the most important thing. I, I preached a sermon about this in the past, and I've heard many of them like this. And it, it goes on this premises, but I think it doesn't fool the, the, the full context. It's not asking the right question. Some people have said, well, God doesn't want me to be happy. He wants me to be holy. Has anybody ever heard that statement? God doesn't want me to be happy. He just wants me to be holy. There's some truth in that. God wants you to be holy, more important than happy. But those two things aren't one or the other. When we really get today's question right and the answer, God can provide holiness and happiness. He desires to give us both. We, we don't have to say, well, you're holy or happy. Uh, but sometimes as Christians, we look like that. Oh, it's a, it's a bunch of... Uh, uh, right-believing Christians. We have these concepts and we try to live holy, but we're miserable. Have you guys ever met Christians like that? They're so legalistic. They're like, well, we do this, this, and this, and by golly, it's great. <clears throat> but here's what God's telling me and wanting to share with you. You can be holy, and he wants you to be happy, so what's, what's at the core? I believe your holiness and happiness is found in Jesus, and it's a spiritual gift but here's where I see uh, really the center of the, the, the conversation has to go. Look at 1 John chapter 5, inspired by the Holy Spirit. John says, we know that we are children of God. So this, is, this message right now is for those who belong to Jesus, who've been saved by him. You've been forgiven of your sins. You are his child. You are valuable. You're righteous. We know we're children of God if we've been saved by him. And the world around us is under the control of the evil one. That's true. So dear children, brothers and sisters, my friends in Christ... Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. There is the big dilemma in this question. God wants you as his children to be righteous, holy, happy, but make sure that God is at the center of your hearts and nothing else has taken that place. Uh, not anything that you like, not anything that makes you happy. God is to be first. Nothing can take his place in our hearts, and yet it does at times our pursuit of happiness. God's first concern for you is not your happiness. Let that sink in. God's first concern for you is not your happiness, but it's what has first place in your heart. That's his first concern. What makes you happy? God did not wake up this morning and look at me and be like, oh, I hope Tyson has a happy day. He didn't look at any of you and be like, my purpose for you or Rondo or for anyone or anyone watching online, God didn't wake up and be like, oh, my job is to make sure everyone's happy. His desire is to see that your heart belongs to him. That's, that's my responsibility today, to help you focus on him. 
I love this verse from Proverbs 3. You probably memorized it as a child if you grew up in the church. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not happiness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will bring you to to holiness, to righteousness, to happiness, to peace, to healthy relationships, to everything uh, that God can ever offer us, more than we can imagine. But we've got to seek him first with all of our heart. Jesus put it this way when Jesus was asked, hey, what's most important? What do we really need to pay attention to? Look what he says in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The Old Testament and the New Testament both make it clear. Let him be at the center of your heart. God's word, uh, it it just rings true throughout it that, that while happiness is a part of who we get to be, God desires to be at the center of our heart. So what comes against that today? We're going to look at some practical things. What what comes against my heart belonging first to God? Almost everything of this world. So don't be fooled. Almost everything. Even my wife. uh, Three weeks ago, we talked about relationship with God. There can be times my wife, and, and as much as I love her, she can get in the way of God being number one when I put her ahead of him, and it's wrong. And some of you guys who are engaged to a beautiful woman, you're like, by golly, uh, she's always going to be number one. No, God asked you to make him number one. And when he's number one, you can love her even more. Or the kids, or a job. Anything and everything can fall in place. So we're going to look at some concepts, though, that, that lead us to make a mess of this. The first one is this. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Anybody remember the song that goes with that? If it makes you happy... It can't be that bad. Cheryl Crow, the great theologian, said that, okay? (laughs) If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it feels good, you go for it. If that's our theology, if that's what we believe, we're going to justify anything and everything to have that feel-good, happy moment, and it's wrong. Things like this begin to happen. Well, I know I don't have any money in the bank account, the the credit card's maxed out, but I feel really happy when I go on a shopping spree, so we do shopping spree after shopping spree. You justify, even though the bank calls say, hey, there's no money in there. Your husband's uh, freaking out because there's no money in there, but it makes me happy. Or the husband buys a golf club or a bass boat. It works both ways, okay? I know what the doc said. My salt, my blood pressure's high and I gotta avoid salt, but the bag of chips feels so good makes me happy or i know i know i made a promise to my wife but the new girl i met at the golf course she makes me happy at least cheryl crow got the last part of that song right she goes if it makes you happy why the heck are you so sad remember that part of it if it makes you happy uh, it ain't that bad if it makes you happy why are then you so sad And she knows the reality. When we pursue the shopping spree after shopping spree, when we pursue uh, eating and 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 ingesting everything we want, when we ignore our spouse, when we do what we want, there's a consequence to all that, and it breaks our hearts because it's not aligned with what God's plan is for us. Because all those times we're trying to make us happy, we become self-centered, and our long-term health is a heartbreak. Because our heart belongs to other things. The shopping spree leads to bankruptcy. The, the indulging leads to a heart attack. And a broken promise to your spouse leads to divorce. Look what it says in Proverbs 14. There is a way that appears right. Uh, there's times when things appear to be right. It feels good. It makes me happy. But it ends and it leads to death. 
I wonder what's going on in your life right now that feels good, but you know it's killing you. It's killing your relationship. It's killing your parenting. It's killing your education. It's killing your job. And you're like, but it feels good. It might lead to death. Secondly, uh, is this statement, if it doesn't make me happy, it must be wrong. We live in a world right now, I think if you're 30 or under, you've got to really pay attention to this. Please understand, this is a deception of the devil. Sometimes it's okay when things hurt. Sometimes it's okay when you go through pain. No pain, no gain. That, that concept is true. But here's what we've got to in today's world, and I see it so many places, and, and I'm tempted to do this as well. But when, as soon as we start to suffer or have discomfort, we want to change it. Get me out of this program. As soon as it, it, it makes you work, it makes you sweat, or your body's sore, let me have something else. Is that scriptural? No. The Bible talks about there's times when discipline is tough. But yet, so many times our world would tell us, if you're at the job and all of a sudden you don't like it, find a new job. If the coach is hard on you, he or she uh, says you can't be a part of the team unless you get this figured out, you're like, well, I'm going to quit. Or if you're in college, go into the portal. You know, if, you're, if you know the college world, there's so many things right now you're like, I can choose this, this, or this, but it's going to make me happy. If things at church get tough, if all of a sudden things are uncomfortable, the temptation from the world would be like, oh, I'm going to find a new church. If your spouse isn't making you happy, you're free to find a new one. We live in a world that says, if it doesn't make you happy, it must be wrong. That is not true. Sometimes when things are tough, God has you right where he wants you because he's growing you. You know what it's called? Discipleship, discipline, training. Look what it says in Hebrews 12. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Amen to that. I grew up under a dad that, that really understood good discipline, and it meant a belt. It meant a, a board. It meant a paddling. And it's painful. Look, that's what the scripture says. Discipline at a time is painful. But I thank my parents on a regular basis, at least annually. Thank you for disciplining me. Whether you're 10 or you're 92, discipline is not, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't make us happy, but it's, it's good. Set under it. But afterwards, it says there is a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this. Guys, whether you are a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, an elder, or you're brand new here, God it may be working with you in this painful situation to grow you, to mature you. Rondo told me this morning, hey, reminded me ministry is not easy. But you know when ministry is easy and we get comfortable, there's not much growth. Life, following Christ, isn't meant to be easy. He says, take up my cross and follow me. But when we're following him and it's painful, man, that's when we're growing the most. Our, our world, hear this, our world would love you to think that, that you are going to be the best person you could be when everything is nice, neat, and comfortable. You know what you are? Fat and lazy often and not growing. So be very careful. If it's been a while since you've been challenged, since you've had pain, ask God, how are you growing me right now? I don't want pain to come in your life, but God wants growth. You know what I found also whenever I feel like things are uncomfortable, when, when things need to be changed, it's often me that needs changed. Hear this. Whenever I'm not happy, whenever things are not easy, when things are out of whack, it's tempting to sometimes look at my kids or 
the church or Tiffany and say, hey, what's, what needs to be changed? You know who usually needs to be changed? Me. But that's why the scripture says this. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Change me. Because the things of this world aren't going to make us happy. What, what God's concerned about is where our heart is. Re renew my heart. Look what it says in 1 John 5. Dear children, we're going to see this again. This is the main point. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. God's first concern isn't your happiness, but it's what has first place in your heart. That's why I love this verse. It was my theme verse in college. Any given day it still is. Um, Psalms 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So make him the first priority. Delight him. Uh, celebrate in him. Know your uh, values in him. And then he's going to give you the desires of your hearts. It's a beautiful concept. So how can we make sure our hearts are delighting in him? I'm going to give you three practical things to do, and then we're going to be done. Enjoy a happy heart, a Christ-centered heart, of someone who knows they are clean from sin. If you're here today and you're like, I'm miserable, evaluate your heart today. Is it full of sin? Have you been forgiven? Have you accepted the, the forgiveness of sin through Jesus? Maybe you gave your life to Christ a long time ago and you're forgiven, but you've realized today, hey, I've been holding on to this sin. But, but have a clean heart, have a happy heart, realize that you know you're clean from sin through Christ. Man, that makes you happy and peaceful, and content, and joyful. I have to remind myself what really makes me happy sometimes, because a lot of things do. Be honest with you, there, there are many things that make me happy. For example, a fresh bag of Corinth Doritos makes me happy. <laughs> Just does. This week we had the Lenten service on Wednesday, and, and I was one of the last ones to go through the line. Some uh, angel of the kitchen ministry held back a little personal bag of Corinth Doritos and brought it to me because I thought they were all gone. They're like, here's your bag of Doritos. I'm like, praise the Lord, you know. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Also, the sound of a blown big block Chevy and a Chevelle, preferably, makes me happy. Listen to this. Listen to the sound. <laughs> Happy. All right. All right. Uh, how about when the Hoosiers get a win? It makes me happy, right? Not much support in the room for that, is there? <laughs> or how about an exciting dirt bike ride with my boys or a friend? By the way, that's your pastor pulling a willy going up there. Those things make me happy. Or how about this? A medium cooked ribeye. Anybody make that? Anybody in the room that makes you happy a little bit? I love that. Makes me happy. When Tiffany and I first got married, we didn't eat ribeyes very much, okay? We couldn't afford them. We, we ate steak, tube steak, right? You remember those days? Okay. Um, but we started getting some steaks. Tiffany's mom started giving us some steaks. I don't care what they were. Uh, they were from like, they would get a cow butcher. They were like, hey, here's a couple steaks. The first three times, uh, I think, when we were married and we made steaks, well, she made them, uh, they were prepared one way. Well done, a.k.a. for burnt to a crisp, okay? And I'm like, Tiffany, I like it with a little bit of redness, juice, She's like, well, this is just how I like my steaks. This is the way I cook them. We agreed that I would cook the steaks, okay? And I enjoy a well-cooked steak. Uh, today, with seven in the family, you know, I'll make seven to 14 steaks on the grill. And the goal will be to have six of them medium rare and one burnt to a crisp. And everyone's happy, okay? You know, that's just how she likes it. 
That stuff makes me happy. I, we can make a list of things that make me happy. Seeing my kids happy makes me happy. Last night uh, during the daddy-daughter dance, m- dancing with my daughter and seeing a smile on her face made me happy. By the way, if you helped with daddy-daughter dance in any way, maybe you cooked, maybe you painted faces, thank you. It makes me happy to see young women especially, our, our youngest girls, happy and encouraged that they're valuable, that they're loved. Also our boys. But last night, boy, it gave my heart delight to see the church pouring into that young generation of girls and saying, you're valuable, you're beautiful, you're loved, you're special. In Christ, we're sisters. You're my daughter. And, and daily just warm my heart just to get to be with her last night. So thank you. There's a lot of different things that make me happy. Whether it's a dance with my daughter or a bike ride with my boys. But you know what really makes me happy that, that, that can't be taken away? Is whenever I realize that I have a clean heart because Jesus has taken away my sin. Whenever I go to bed at night and I can worry about a lot of things, I praise God that I do not worry about the ability for Christ to take away my sins. My sins are gone through Jesus Christ. And when I lay down at night, I can have rest about that. Maybe not about the honey-do list I have for the next day uh, or or what needs to be done at church, but I have a clean heart through Jesus. Tonight, when you go to bed, you could be kept up about a lot of things, but it doesn't have to be because of sin. When we come to Jesus and, and we trust him as our Lord and Savior, he takes away our sin. As far as the east is from the west, it's gone. When we're united with him in baptism, the Bible says when we go under the water, we share in his death. And when we come up out of the water, we share in his resurrection. We're a brand new person. And when you can sleep at night uh, free from sin, boy, that's a happy, peaceful feeling. So ask yourself, have you been created new in Christ? Pray this prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. The first thing we must do if you really want to be happy is to be set free and clean. Repent. Some of you... And like me at times, we've been, we've been saved maybe since we're 12, and now we're 40, 50, 60, maybe you're uh, uh, well into your retirement years. And, and here's the thing, you've realized you started holding on to sin that made you happy. You need to repent and say, God, I'm letting that go to trust you. And know that you have a clean heart. And you can go to sleep well. Another thing is to enjoy a happy heart of someone who knows their confidence is in Christ. Listen to this passage from 1 Thessalonians. For we speak as messengers approved by God. Our value comes from God. We're approved by him. And we're entrusted with the good news. We're entrusted with that reality that we're safe from sin. Our purpose is to please God. Not for us to be happy. Our purpose is to please him. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. God knows if you're here because it's, it's socially proper for you to be here. Or he knows if you're really trying to live for him. And when you live for him... Nothing else matters. The, the, the word of God here says that we're to please him and not others. And happiness is found in there. So here's what I want to tell you. If you're saved by Jesus, you're a son and daughter of the king. And that's where your confidence comes from. You, you've been changed by him. Today, I would encourage you, if you struggle with this, if you struggle knowing who you are, know this, that, that, that you are in Christ and through his word, that you're You're beautiful. And stop comparing yourselves to others of the world. Stop comparing yourself. Spend time getting to know who you are in Christ and stop comparing yourself. Stop that comparison game. The comparison game will kill your confidence. You know where the comparison game takes place now in a lot of of times? 
on the internet, on Facebook. Uh, this person has this, and this person has that. This person's vacation, or their ribeye looks better than mine. And we compare all these things. Or you compare yourself to your neighbor, or the kids, or, or, or the basketball team that went a little further. And, and you don't enjoy the blessing you have. Stop comparing yourself and know who you are in Christ. There's one more thing here. Enjoy the happy heart of someone who serves others. When we chase a selfishness, happiness pursuit, the pursuit of our personal happiness, we'll have it for a day and then it's gone. It's fleeting. It's, it, you can't grab it. And it leaves you depressed and wanting more and wanting more, needing more. A recent survey showed that Americans who describe themselves as very happy serve. On average, they serve six hours a month. That's not very much. But the happiest people serve others. It went on to say the happiest people who think they're really happy, who have that feeling, are generous to others. So let me ask you this. If you feel depressed today, if you feel down, if you feel like you can't find happiness, when's the last time you served someone else? When's the last time you went out of your pursuit of happiness and said, I want to show them value. I want to love them. It may be at a daddy-daughter dance. It may be in the nursery. It may be a greeter. It may be mowing the neighbor's grass or picking up their sticks. It could be anything, but when's the last time you took yourself out of your pursuit to show someone else how awesome they are and just to serve them? Our church family is going to go on one of these pursuit days on April 30th. Mark your calendars, April 30th. We're going to have another day of service where we can all jump into it together. We, we need to be reminded in a big picture and then the smallest things, things that you'll, you'll never tell anyone else about. When are you serving others? Because when you serve, you know who you look like? Jesus. Here's what the scripture says when Jesus served us. He had joy. He had true happiness. Look what it says. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He says, get your act cleaned up. Clean. Get away from that sin. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, in his high position, said, I'm going to let go of that and serve others. And then joy for him came even in that. So today, if you're, if you're down, check your heart. Is it, has it been forgiven? If not, seek him. If you are saved, who are you serving? Because in the forgiveness of sin and in serving others, man, there's joy, there's happiness. Give God your heart today. And allow true happiness to come. Would you stand with me as we sing? Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Come forward. We'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you need to make a commitment not to compare to one another or to anyone. Let's give it to God today.